0: Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Do you ever feel like you have too much to do and not enough time to get it done? Today we're going to talk about time management and productivity. Most of us will always say we just don't have enough time. In fact, Four out of five people say we're time poor. We're unable to get all we need to get done in a given day. Time poor living robs us of happiness. It increases our stress, which makes us even more unproductive and puts us into an incredibly negative cycle. I remember speaking to Ashley Willens in her book, Time Smart, How to Reclaim Your Life and Live a Happier Life. She's a happiness researcher an assistant professor at Harvard Business School. She said this. She said that regardless of how much money people make, where they live, their personality, their professions, their gender, people who value time over money report greater happiness. People who value time over money report greater happiness. That is, they report overall satisfaction with their life. They experience joy and less stress each day. People who value time more than money, she said, are happier because they spend more time engaging in activities that we know are good for happiness, more time socializing with friends and family, more politically engaged, volunteer more. They're more likely to take minutes out of their day to talk to somebody new, like the barista at their local coffee shop or a next-door neighbor. So it's a big issue. And I think you can look at it, as Peter Drucker said in his quote, until we manage time we can manage nothing else. He's some great quotes. Until we manage time, we can manage nothing else. So what can we do? What can we do with the time that we have? That's the subject of today's Aim Higher podcast. And with me today, we have a star-studded panel from all over the area who have come from far and wide to talk to us in this very studio. First, we have business development, specialist and executive Chip Nilgis. Welcome, Chip. Thanks, Skip. Glad to be here. And then we have Drew Bordis, who's an operations guru who's worked together with me for three or four days. Feels longer, honestly.
1: Might be a little bit longer. (laughs) But I'm glad to be here.
0: Drew Bordis. And we have Tammy Spade, who is a specialist executive in, I don't know what areas, people... Purpose and place. Yes. I think that's what you put. You got it. Was it in that order, though? It was. Oh, even better. Yes. Perfect. Alliteration, it works. So we're going to talk about that. So panel, what strikes you first about my opening remarks about time or Ashley's comments about people who value time more than money are happier?
1: I, I mean, was struggling with the, do I like time or money better. That's that's all I could think about after you said that. And then you're I'm wondering a... how happy am I? Right, yeah. and I'm not. I'm not that happy. But is that because <laughs> of time? Or because I like time and money. So somebody else is going to have to take that. You, you need more of both. Right. It just that just rocked my world. So you're being rocked right now. Yeah. So we'll let you yeah. uh, let me let, let me go let me into that corner a for
0: a little yeah. while. And uh, what do I, you think, Chip? I love the idea
2: of thinking about time as a resource, in the same way we think about money or other things as resources, and Learning to be intentional about how we spend
0: it. Intentional about how we spend it. Yes. Are we more intentional about our money than our time? Usually, I would say most people probably are. Yeah, probably. Probably. People will budget their money or at least think about doing that. We're buying Dave Ramsey's budgeting things. There's no. There are
2: credit scores that show you how effectively you're managing yes. your credit. One could imagine a credit score for time. How and far how would you do? Better than I used to. Yeah. Not as not as well as I could.
0: Which is all that you can ask for, I think, if you do better than you used to. That's all you can expect. What do you think, Tammy?
3: Well, I, I was thinking about the concept of budgeting when Chip started to talk about it, budgeting your time. And we do that. We do that through schedules, but I don't know that we lay out a time budget. And as you come to the end of a calendar year, it's that moment in the year where often we look back and think, okay, what do I want to change for the year that's coming? Or at least I usually do. Not always in the form of New Year's resolutions, but time is almost always on the top of that list. Where am I spending it? Where have things gotten out of balance? I do think that the other thing about time is that you've got to have some system in order to allocate it different things work for different people, whether it's, you know, a calendar or a planner or a to-do list or or whatever, but you have to have some system in order to allocate it. Otherwise, you're just sort of at the whim of what's coming at you.
0: Good point. And we all have 86,400 seconds in a day. And I don't know how planned you are. Do you get down to the seconds? Do you plan those seconds or? No. No. Okay, so. Big I broad. guess we can always, to Chip's point, we can always get better, right? We can, If we're planning nanoseconds, we know that we are in a different world. What do we think most people get wrong when they think about time management?
1: I think for for leaders and managers specifically, I think meetings are a big, big, big part of what people get right and wrong. And you can see people who do meetings differently. And by that, I mean there are some personalities who have to be in the meeting. They want to be in all the meetings. They cannot have that topic happen without them. There are other people who loathe meetings, who won't come even if they're the critical you know, participant. And I think, like Tammy said, you know, if you're not careful, you can just take what comes at you. Some of our days are like that, where I'm just going to go where Outlook tells me to go all day because I've got eight video calls in a row and I can't do anything else. And that might be okay, but gosh, that can't be every day for you. You'll, you'll get nothing done and you'll burn out. So very true.
0: You know, when I took a new job in a company, you often walk in and get somebody's schedule. You, you assume someone's calendar in the role that you're in. And many times, president and CEO, you will find your entire calendar is blocked with meetings And I have found from a time management perspective to do the reverse. If you look at every meeting as something to get rid of, you will do better than if you look at how do I get through. Absolutely. I fully believe in that. Because meetings should be called together for a purpose. Now, there are some ongoing meetings. Sometimes the purpose is to build a relationship, to build collaboration, to make sure you're on the same page, to share information, et cetera. But they should be the minority of your calendar. Most of your calendar, I think, should be purposeful. And the meeting is called to get something done. And I think that's why people wonder, why are we getting nothing done? Because you're in an ongoing 90-minute meeting after 60-minute meeting. To prepare for the meeting. after day to prepare for the meeting. Yes. And you're not getting anything done. And there's a lot of process meetings. So I'd beware of people who, you know, you may be a process person. You may be expert in process. And I'm not. Drew, you're a much better process person than me, but you're processed with a purpose. A lot of people will just be so focused on the process. And so every single month we have to have this meeting and everybody has to be there. Well, do they really need to be there? What's their purpose? Because I look at money and time. I look at each person is contributing money in that meeting and I'm adding up the salaries of everybody in that room saying, is this meeting worthwhile for this amount of money for this hour? And does everybody need to be here? And I think if you look at it that way, you may end up with some different conclusions. But beware of the ongoing meetings. So anybody listening to this, if you're in ongoing meetings, approach them with a vengeance of saying, how can we cut them back, cut them out, or cut them to less time, if at all possible, and cancel the meetings when the agenda is appropriately light, if possible. You don't need to have them. And scheduling some breaks is actually healthy for the people in the organization. What else would you add to that?
3: I think one of the fallacies about time is that you can fully control it, particularly in the work environment, any work environment. You have to have some flexibility. You have to expect the unexpected, but you don't want to be so loose that you just sort of, you know, let it come at you. And so I do think that you have to have a plan and a process but you also have to have flexibility and one way to make sure that happens is to build in kind of just open time build in block time build in margins don't allow yourself to be scheduled back to back to back to back to back there are days like drew said where that happens and you look at that day and think okay yeah all those really do need to happen but those should be the exception that should not be the rule
0: ancient philosopher know thyself And I think that's also very important when it approaches time management. If I have a block of time, will I waste that time? Will I start surfing the internet? Will I be reactive and just, as you said, just react to things? Am I proactive? Right? Where am I on that spectrum? And you can design your day in a way that allows you to maximize your positives and minimize your negatives. But it's very individual. And I have found some people say, oh, this is the time management system that works. It's the best ever. And they give it to me and I look at it and I think,
1: this is an absolute hell. This is day of hell for me. You and don't like being controlled too. No, I so don't like, like being a controlled. there's a certain element of, oh, that calendar's controlling me. I don't think so. Like am push it
0: back. Exactly right. <laughs> but somebody else loves that. Yeah. They want to have that safety. Well, it's atmosphere. that knowing
1: yourself, like you just said, like that would not work for you. Wouldn't might work. be great for somebody else.
0: right? But there are elements of it that I can use. Mm-hmm. And so I look at it and say, well, this system works for some people. What elements of it can I use? Or could I use it for one hour or two hours? Then I can adapt and use some of the benefits of it without losing the whole thing. But for someone, it works. For someone else, it doesn't work. I see planners out there all the time, and some work and some don't, uh, depending on personality. I have another question about time, and that is, what are some of the best ways to identify things that drain our time? How do you look at it and go, you know what? As I assess this, this drains my time. What do I do? How do you best assess that?
2: To Skip something that I do at the end of every year, which is tedious, but really enlightening, is I look through Golf? my- Golf? <laughs> no, I've never, I've never done that. Okay. Yeah. It's a good walk spoiled, right? <laughs> I look through my emails from the past year I'll spend a few hours every year just looking through them, and I try to identify the main threads. What did I actually accomplish that moved the needle for the company? And I'm always surprised at the impact that I've made, but really how few major projects I can accomplish in a year where I'm the primary driver. And I find that is very satisfying and very helpful in developing my plan for the next year because it makes me...
0: Face that year, I think, in a more realistic way. So sort of the big rocks. Yeah. You're saying, okay, I know me, and I know I'm moving these things in a big way. I'm the main quarterback, but I'm not going to try to pick 200 of them. Exactly. Because it would not bode well. Exactly. Yeah, that's really good. What are other ways you can identify
1: things that are draining your time or, or giving you? I them? actually, I look at, this isn't going to surprise any of you, I look at what I'm doing well at, and then pay attention to what were the elements going on right then, whether it's my energy, what the task was, time of day, like, you know, sometimes you're just, you're just on and you're crushing it. And then, then you have the opposite of it, which is what you're asking. And, and what are the differences? Is it the task? Is it the time of day? Is it who I'm talking to? Is it the type of topic? And just kind of understanding how, how are you reacting like personally, physically? Are you rolling your eyes? Are you, you know, slumped down in the chair? And what is it about it that's going on right now that's making you feel that way? And just really understanding in the moment. And you really realize that the Aim
0: Higher podcast is what gives you energy
1: and really fuels your whole day. Yes. Isn't that true? Of course it's true, sir.
0: Of course it's true. (laughs) You feel it. You know it. Absolutely true. What about your team? If you see a team member as a leader who you can can see struggles with elements of things that we've talked about. What do you do? And you have to know them, right? I've seen the biggest, big mistake, I referenced it in a way just now, but is trying to use your success system on somebody else. I was at one company where the person had this elaborate, elaborate system and ran classes to teach everyone how to do calendars and emails and everything else. And it was... You needed a PhD to be able to do it, and was crazy and genius, worked for this person and this person alone. And so a big mistake is just thinking you can duplicate your system onto them. But what are some ways you can help a team member who's struggling with time management?
3: Well, one of the biggest things that I see, and I struggle with it too, so it's a personal and something I see in others, is the ability to delegate and not have to do it yourself. I tend to be a perfectionist, and no. so- I know that's a shock to those of you who might work with and around (laughs) me, but sometimes if I can't see how it's going to have a perfect outcome, it's hard to start until I can see what that looks like. It's also difficult to recognize somebody else might approach it differently, which of course, as a leader, you delegate things all the time, but the outcome still, you have to kind of let go of and say what are the must haves in the outcome and what are the elements in the outcome that I might not even be thinking about that somebody who approaches it differently will. That's good. But those are draining things if you hold it on your own shoulders to do it all and do it all perfectly.
0: I like what you said though, if you don't see a perfect outcome, it's hard for you to start. I suspect the opposite's also true and I think it has with you. If you see a complete imperfect outcome or a disaster impending Mm -hmm. that will affect you, you'll start right away. Immediately. Yes. This must
3: change. Yes, yes, exactly. I am,
0: I am going to stand. It has in to be the, fixed. Yes, and it must be fixed now. Yeah, yeah and yeah. there's a right way to do it. That is interesting. What yeah. other things you do if team members are struggling? I tend to go
2: back to our plan for the year because as you, as you go through the year, of course, new things are coming in all the time. That's change management. If you have a good change management process, you can certainly change the plan that you started with. Sometimes I find that team members, you know, coming from a great place. They want to help. We'll just take on additional work. They'll continue to do that over a period of weeks and months. They'll get buried. They get that glazed look in their eye. We have the (laughs) talk. We go back to the beginning of the year, and then we liberate them of some of that burden. They can't delegate, or they they may have just taken
0: out, and they're sinking.
2: They're sinking. And And so so you go back to first principles, right? And uh, let's look at this, and and then as a team, decide if we're going to expand our scope. And if we are, do we have the capacity to do it? If not, where else in the organization can we find it? And just be intentional
0: about taking on new work. And I think it's important for everyone in the audience to hear, Chip, what you were just saying. Because what you're saying is, you didn't say this is your problem. How are you going to deal no. with it? You said, this is our problem. And here's what we can do together. And I think that is such a leadership lesson beyond just time management, but I'm going to walk with you and let's fix this together. We're, and that, that makes people trust you
1: and will make people want to work with you.
2: We're one company. We're one organization. Yeah,
1: that, yep. that's good. I think the way you know, leaders are measured as well, we're not measured by the hour for a reason. Like Chip said about looking back at a year and seeing you know big major initiatives, well, they don't all happen equally hour by hour by hour by hour by hour. And I think really talking about that with your team and giving them permission to, hey, you know what? You don't have to be, you know, nose to the grindstone every, you know, minute of every single day. You are going to burn out. And give them that permission. Say, that's not even what I value about you. What I'm looking for is this. As long as you accomplish this, we're in a good place. Otherwise, don't go kill yourself over this. It's crazy. Just relax. Relax. Yeah. Take a moment. So a refocus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Make sure they Give yourself permission. Give your team permission. Yeah, that's exceptionally good. Well, in going back and reading this book on time management, and I, I like how Ashley's book was on time and about happiness and how they were combined. One of the things I'm most guilty of is vacations. I'm a big advocate of taking vacations. I'm a big advocate, if someone's on vacation, to not bother them. I don't want people to be bothered at all if they're on vacation. I'm not always so good at taking the vacations, but it is a great thing. And it was a good reminder because most Americans especially don't take all of their vacation. We know this, but one of the things she found in her happiness research was that the secret to happier vacations and a happier life is not just taking vacations. It's not saving it all up. We think there's this myth. I'll save it all up and I'll take this one glorious vacation. Oh, come back. Everything's perfect. My life. I'm thinking about the Griswolds. (laughs)
1: It's not always so good.
0: But she says the benefit of vacations, the secret to happier vacations, is taking them frequently. Mm -hmm. She says we need to take frequent, short, restful vacations where we unplug completely to reap the greatest rewards. And that is from happiness research. So I think that's an important leadership challenge for us all to take our vacation make sure people are taking vacation, but frequent time to turn it all off. We don't tend to do that as much as we should. And in the pandemic, as things have blended back and forth, maybe it's become less so. Now some people it's become more so, they've learned to blend it in a positive way, but it's not always that way. So that to me was surprising when I thought about time management. We don't think about vacations that way, but it's important to budget your time and your vacations and to make sure that they're happening frequent, frequent unplugged time. You get more, less stress, more strategic vision. You know all the benefits of taking a vacation. You know them. like Chip, you've committed them to memory. Well,
2: I I, I do like the idea of building that into every day. I think the notion of recreation is very important. And I think that getting into a different flow from the workflow, every day for me it's exercise. Um, For other people, it may be something else. And I think when you do that, when you get into a different flow, you free your mind to sort of incubate on all sorts of things, including work problems. So I'll often, if I confront a thorny work issue, I will intentionally set it aside for a couple of days. Yes. And I'll put it in my calendar to come back to it in two days. Yeah. And I'm amazed at how often something just clicks. Because
0: you don't force
2: it. I don't force it. And I let myself separate my mind from work at least
0: once a day. Some of the opposite in that I have creative procrastination. And if I wait and wait and wait and then I have no choice, then all of a sudden I get really, really good. That I works to too. Rory Vaden about that a lot. It's this buildup and then it happens. Of course, Rory's quote I love is, time is not money. Time is worth way more than money, which I also like. It goes back to what we were saying at the beginning, but vacations, take them frequently, managing our time. I think that if we think about our time, if we think about managing our lives, we have to think as much about time as we do about money and our budget. We just don't do, and at the end of the year, at the end of a quarter, at the end of a week, reflect back, think, how did I do? Was I spending the time where I wanted to? Or was my time spent binging too much Netflix? Anybody been binging? Them? Maybe that's healing for Just your soul. Just a little bit. It may be, but maybe, you know, I remember way back when 24 came out, I was addicted to 24. And this was back when they had these things called DVDs, you know, DVDs. Oh, yeah. You put them in. They
1: look like coasters, kids. <laughs> it's fine.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. ornaments on yeah, trees yeah, now. Yeah. And I would, I couldn't stop. And it'd be like two and three in the morning. I was like, doom, doom, doom. The following takes place between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. Uh, I could not It stop. was so
3: good. They did a beautiful job of cliffhangers and pulling you right into the next episode. Yes,
0: I, I never watched this on TV. That, that would have been fine. But, but there I am, just stuck in, watching uh, this. So that would be unintentional time management. So that is not good. If you want to aim higher, you have to manage your time. And it is important to do so. And so I'll end with one of my favorite quotes about time management. It's from the great Jim Rohn. Either you run the day or the day runs you. And so if you want to aim higher, make sure you are the one running the day so that you don't let it run you and you get run over. Thanks for listening. Until then, aim higher.
3: for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.